you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Also, so grateful for our music team and what God has blessed us with even on a Wednesday night. Amen. It's easy to read scripture when music is playing. There's almost a rhythm to it, and I thank God for even the simple things. Um, but I, I want to take us through this as best we can. In the Bible, it refers to people as sheep over 500 times. And so when I read something like Psalms 23, and I get to the fact that the Lord is my shepherd and I'm a sheep, I can easily make the correlation of who he's called me to be, right? And with that, I want to dive in deep about the truth is that I'm a sheep. You are sheep. We all are just a big flock of sheep. And I want to have, there's one person in particular that kind of stands out, as a mix between shepherd and sheep, and that is the pastor of the church. In uh, 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 Revelations, I think it's chapter 14, it begins to refer to the pastor of the churches as angels of the church. So when I look at my pastor, I not only see a sheep leading other sheep, but I also see an under-shepherd of the great shepherd. And so I have to acknowledge that First and foremost, before I can ever get any deeper in who I am in Him, right? So with that being established, I think I can go further in Psalms 23. The first verse, the Lord, or the Bible says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Our view of God is oftentimes very small. We think Him to be, and I, I, I believe I even talked about it in front of uh, of this group where I, I, I uh, met with a guy and he begins to talk about who God is to him. And he just recently, I'm, I'm actually working with him every day right now, and he recently said, well, I, I find myself agnostic, uh, believing that there's probably something out there, and maybe it's for our good, but I'm not really sure. And he said, but when I think of God, and you'll have to bear with me, his word's not mine, I think of him as petty and jealous. And he says, I love the story of Jesus. And my mind gets blown, and, and what's amazing is when I talk to him, he's intelligent enough to say, he goes, but the problem is you Christians will merge that Jesus and God are one. Thought, thou has done wisely, <laughs> if I remember scripture right. And so I see this as not only an opportunity to break down who God is to us, but truly what it means to have a great shepherd, petty 
means that you are concerned with small things. While jealous means that you truly desire more. And so when I look at who God is, yes, I serve a God that is jealous for me. And a God that is concerned with my small things. So I'm sorry, I'm okay serving a jealous God that might seem petty. It's not petty in the sense that you see petty, but I have a God that's concerned with small things. And that's who I serve first and foremost. And so as I continue on, I see where it says, I shall not want. There's something so powerful in the word of God where it talks about being content with what we have. Amen. Now listen, I love a lot of things in life. I like when people put on really nice houses for sale. I love the acreage. I love the thought of of nice vehicles and nice clothes. But I'm thankful the Lord has at least shown me to just be content in what he's blessed me with. Our society doesn't believe in contentment. It believes in I've got to have more. We're a consumer uh, society. Some ships get stranded off of our our border and we lose it. Can't buy cars anymore. How are we going to ever survive? Cuba's had like cars from the 50s since the 50s. Yet they keep fixing them over and over and over. And we're saying, oh, I've got to have a new car. This thing is junk. And so uh, it's very powerful when I look at Scripture and it simply says, I shall not want. Now, I have done a lot of research on sheep. I think I've come up here and told you there's a message I had about sheep. This is it. I've had this message for over a year in my life. I've read books on it. It, it just it draws me. And it started when Sister Chelsea came up and said, I actually had the opportunity to talk to a shepherd. And he told her about three different things, but the one thing I really grabbed onto was that sheep, when they're nervous, don't react well. And so typically what we do with sheep is as a shepherd, you put the sheep in the middle. And the other sheep that are around it will calm down the nervous sheep. You don't leave sheep on the outside. Can I be honest for a second? It's imperative that when we have guests, I'm thankful. I've noticed even just what happened two seconds ago, and I'm okay because I'm looking around. It's just us tonight for a moment, just for a moment, right? But we're to take guests, new souls, new saints that they might not understand it. They might not get it all. It might make them nervous. I don't know what it means to go to an altar. I don't understand why I've got to go and get soaked head to toe, and y'all are praying for me and screaming at me when I come out. And all the comprehension might not be there. So we have to, as a church, take the nervous sheep and keep them in the middle. Shepherds understand this. And if I'm mentioned 500 times as a sheep, then for the love of the Lord, I need to make sure that when we see people that are nervous, this is why it's imperative, not just the shepherd, not the under-shepherd or the head sheep. It's not just up to him to recognize this. We as a body of Christ have to be cognizant of people that are nervous. By nervous, ones that are looking at other, on the outside, they're getting picked on, they're not understanding it. They're, maybe they are giving a televangelist, and we don't understand what, what's going on in their mind. And so uh, instead of just beating them up, well, you haven't made this change, and, and you haven't lived by this standard, and, and by this uh, uh, just line of holiness, and, and you can't be used at all, and we push them out. No, those are nervous people. And it's up to us to move them closer to the middle. I loved Monday. I observed things, and I observed a lot of somewhat new or nervous sheep. 
And I'm thankful for what I saw when I saw people go up and reach out to them. Make sure they had a seat. Uh, Sunday morning, we baptized a young man. I had the opportunity uh, Monday, because I'm getting my days mixed up. Monday, when he came to help set up, it blew my mind. So I began to ask him, well, who are you? Well, I'm, I'm this name, but I go by this. And I said, that's great, man. What? Why are you here? Thanks for coming. He goes, oh, I just want to be a part of things. This is so cool. I, I'm excited to, to be at the picnic. And so he stayed all day. We kept him very much. We tried our best to keep him in the middle. That's what we do to sheep. It's very hard for a church sometimes to accept sheep from other flocks or sheep that are just out there and astray. And we think, well, you don't know me, and now all of a sudden we have to go through the whole pecking order or the, the smashing heads like sheep do so often because they're trying to find out who's really in charge. But God didn't call us to do that. He called us to set them in the middle. And so as he says, I shall not want, and, and, and he moves on, he says, he, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. There's something important that has to happen in order for sheep to lie down. There are four things that have to happen. Sheep are finicky. In fact, in one of the books I was reading, just trying to do the research, one of the last statements that the author wrote and that was spoken was simply that sheep, when left unattended, can absolutely destroy earth. But when they're groomed and led with purpose, they're the most nurturing animal for the entire world. And so we have to understand when our, when our pastor wants to go a certain direction, and I'm sorry if it's all about you a little bit tonight, but I've got to make sure I'm in line with where is my under-shepherd leading and guiding? Which way do I go when I'm concerned about uh, uh, how to, to make sure I'm still in the flock? And I know summertime, sometimes it gets hard, Right? Because sometimes in the summertime, there's vacations. And once you start missing a service, it feels like you can miss two or three services. And once the heat hits, it's easy to say, man, I'm just exhausted. And, and all these things could happen. And a good summer cold comes along. Is that just me? And you feel all the drainage in all of life. And you're just snotting yourself silly. You're like, what is happening? And the truth is, it's easy in seasons to get complacent and to say, I don't want to lie down in green pastures. And so here are the four things. The first thing that a sheep has to be is free from all fear. As a sheep, to lie down, the very first thing, and all four of these needs have to be met simultaneously. First, no fear. I wonder what makes you afraid tonight. No money in the bank account? Doctor appointment? What is it that troubles your soul to where you can't just lie down on his green pastures. It's imperative that we set our trust in him. Without trust in God, there can be no peace and freedom from that fear. So we'll never lie down. We'll never be a comfortable sheep. We'll be one of the nervous ones wondering, well, what's going to happen next? I, I need to pick up the extra shift. I need to go grab another job. I need to find ways to make these ends meet because now i got all these bills and things aren't meeting. And, uh, and, and the truth is God's just trying to get you free from fear. The second thing that has to happen, because of social behavior within a flock, they won't lie down unless they're free from friction with others of their kind. I don't plan on repeating this, but if I do, bear with me. But sheep, there's a, a certain thing shepherds do, and, and I'll get to anointing oil, how powerful it is, but there's certain seasons where sheep really bump heads a lot, at least the, the rams do, with the horns, and they'll charge each other, and they just nail each other head on. Sounds like saints sometimes. <laughs> I 
let it go. <laughs> and with that, a lot of shepherds will put uh, oil on their heads. So when they begin that season of life, uh, whether it's in, in rut or whatever the case might be, they'll just graze off each other. And it embarrasses the sheep and they get ticked off and they quit bumping heads. But it's amazing what some oil will do to someone's head. It's important that we're free from friction. I understand things might bug you. I understand church hurt. I get that. I could have story after story and season after season. I even read Victor Jackson. Somebody sent it to me where it showed that, uh, uh, you know, it's, if you're going to complain when God puts you through a test, he'll, he'll comfort you. But if you'll learn to stop complaining about it so much, he'll elevate you. The Lord's okay with you dealing with things, but his goal is to keep you from fighting. The third thing that has to happen, if tormented by flies or parasites, sheep won't lie down. It's only when they are free from these pests that they can relax. And the last thing, that sheep will not lie down as long as they are in need of finding food. They have to be free from hunger. I read where a, a shepherd was talking about sheep and he began to say where uh, they can live off of no water whatsoever. Because they wake up early before the sun ever comes up and they go out and that's their first time to graze. And if the dew is just right and it's not too hot to dry it all up all the time and they can have dew on the grass, sheep can go for months without water. Can I break that down just a little bit for us? There's something so very important about a daily prayer life. And it's when I forget to go and, and eat the word or, or to go and to, to sup with God or however you want to say it. There's a lot of scripture references to it. But if I don't spend my time and I get full of him, overflowing with him, if I don't do that in the mornings, I'll be hungry all day long. Sheep do it very early. They're, they're very consistent. They're going to go out and find something to eat immediately. Yet for us, we get in these seasons of drought and we don't know what to do. In the scriptures, they hit drought too sometimes. You know what they did? One of them recorded, as this day we're going to eat my child and tomorrow we'll eat yours. You see, when drought happens, people end up turning on each other and eating each other. And so it's imperative in seasons. Summer's perfect example. It's in these seasons where it feels like there's drought. You've got to go and eat on his green pastures. You've got to find yourself in the word of God. You've got to find yourself praying. And, and if you can fast, fast. It, it, there needs to be those moments in our life. Just because it's not January. Because it's not dark out all the time. There's nothing to do. We've got to set ourselves on him. Amen. Without that, we find ourselves hungry. And when we're hungry, we won't lie down. This is what makes church so hard sometimes when it feels like, man, what happened? Did the worship, were we off? Did the drums get louder out of nowhere? It's a board. We'll get there. <laughs> we'll fix it. But with everything, it doesn't take much to set off somebody that's hungry. You ever been hungry? Not much pleases you. With God, when you're spiritually hungry, when you haven't spent the time filling up with him, you will find yourself completely void of that, that peace and that joy 
And when you don't have those things, then you find yourself going all around. The same is true with pestilence. So what they would do is a, a lot of times uh, shepherds uh, in certain seasons and, and dealing with different things that they deal with, there's this thing called scab, which is really disgusting, but it's really prevalent in sheep. And so if one sheep gets a, a scab, they usually are very loving creatures, and they'll go up and they'll rub heads with other sheep, and, and the scab, the pestilence, will just begin to spread. And once it's in a flock, it's almost impossible to get out. In fact, the only way that shepherds get it out is they have to go and buy a bath. And they will run all their sheep through this uh, chemical bath to just wash all the scab away, and they can wash everything away except for the head. And this is where in Scripture, even you get down to verse 4 or 5, where it says, Thou anointest my head with oil. Sheep and a good shepherd will take oil and anoint the head of a sheep. When that anointing happens, pestilence don't cross that border. You know what's wild about that anointing oil that they use? It's made of olive oil and it's made of spices. It's amazing when we go to prayer and we're, we're wondering why in the world do we use oil sometimes? Is there something magical? And you'll hear pastor explain it. There's nothing magical. It's just a, a point of faith and a point of contact. And it, it'll create a barrier between humanity and God and all these great things that scripturally are, are based. But oil is so precious because it will keep out those voices of pestilence. It's amazing. We, we, you know, we, we fight so many different things in our lives. Whether it's head, head butting or, or it's a hunger because we haven't been close to God or it's, it's in, in famine, we haven't found ourselves eating the word of God. Uh, it's, it's in all those things or, or, or we're not free of pest or we're not free of fear that we don't lie down in him. It's like we don't trust our shepherd. This is why you come to church on a Wednesday, amen? Because you trust your shepherd. We trust our under-shepherd for the same reason, because we need God to give us that peace. And, and sometimes you'll come in, you'll walk in and out and wonder, why did I never lay down? Why did I never feel at peace? I'll mention it a lot of times when I get up here on a Wednesday night, and if I'm doing announcements, I'm very serious about it. I need Wednesdays. I understand there's times we might cancel, there's, there's camps that happen and all that. that I, I'm behind all that. I'm not saying anything about any of that sort of thing. But there is a part of me that has to have a relationship. And there's a big part of me that has to be with the flock. I need you. And I hope you need me. And I need us to worship together because there's power in a flock that stays together. And so I, a, a shepherd, again, going back to the stories, I'd listen to story after story. And he began to talk about this you that was just beautiful. And uh, the you was great at producing such amazing uh, uh, lambs year after year, two at a time sometimes, and, and every year it would produce great lambs, and, and they would grow up and become big and strong and, and be able to sell for a lot or be able to harvest a lot, whatever the case might be, and, and he was so excited, this U is great, but the U had one problem with it, it was never content inside of the fence, and so time after time, the U would find ways to just dig at parts of the weakness spots of the fence and it would get out and, 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 and the farmer would go up to it and say, man, what are you doing? The shepherd would, would grab the lamb and, and bring it, or the, the, the ewe, the, the, the female lamb or, or sheep, whatever, and grab the thing and take it back inside the fence and, and board it up and, and try its best to just make sure that we didn't have to deal with this again. And, and it wouldn't be but a month later or a few weeks later, it'd find another weakness and it'd follow through. And, and that sounds great because 
at least it's just one lamb, and, and, and we've got parables for that. And the pastor would go, and, or the shepherd would go and find the one lamb. And, and we love all that, but the truth is that lamb didn't just do it by itself. It would always take its kids with it. When I find myself lying down in green pastures, I have to make sure that my kids are lying down with me. I haven't done a good job explaining Friday night. Let me just take a brief moment. Friday night is going to start our balance week. This is kind of an intro to it, but our goal is to talk about ways to balance your life. And if we don't get a look at our young lambs and understand what they're fighting that we've never fought before and find ways to make sure that we're not leading them outside of green pastures. Because that's the problem with sheep is oftentimes the ones that really have that urge to just get out and not be faithful or not stay with the shepherd is, is typically they'll drag their kids with them. And then when it's all said and done and they, they get brought back in and they've had crisis and, and they come and, and li- we're going to wrap our arms around them. We're going to try to put them in the middle and keep them. But if they're not watched carefully, they'll, they'll creep out to the edge and they'll find another little weakness and they'll go through until the, finally the shepherd had to put down the sheep. Because not only would it start dragging its kids out, but then it would start dragging other lambs and other sheep and find ways to make sure that it got out looking for greener pastures. It's amazing where we've got to find ourselves at a place where we have our purpose in Him. I'm okay being in church three nights a week. Amen? And I'm okay making sure that my family prays before bed. We had over our niece last night. The first time we've had anybody over, we've just got young kids and we've, we've tried to make sure, whatever, we're trying not to be helicopter parents. Amen? I'll explain that Friday, but a lot of problems happened because when we were raised in the 80s, (laughs) there was so much fear of abduction that our parents would worry and fear for us. And now we're taking on the next generation. We take a lot of that stuff with us, not knowing what makes the next generation have fears. And so we'll isolate our kids and we'll keep them inside online all day and wonder why there's issues. But we made a point last night, we're going to pray like we always pray. Sydney, you're going to pray too? And we take turns and we go member by member, family member. I don't, I don't know how it started. We always started with Charlie, probably because she learned to talk first. And, and, and Charlie would start leading in prayer. And then I'd say, okay, Morrison. And it's funny that, you know, you, you try to get them to, they'll grow deep. Because if one kid says one thing new, the next one will say something else new. They're, they're going to one-up each other with Jesus. Then the next one's just trying to get the words out because he's got no front teeth. And he's just working his little heart out. And then mom will pray and then dad will pray. And we spend our time making sure that we keep our flock in green pastures. It's imperative. It's imperative. My flock has to stay. I'm not the greatest shepherd. I'm not the big one. I'm not the under shepherd. But I'm trying as the head sheep of my house. I'm going to make sure that my flock goes to green pastures. We pray against bad dreams. They're 11, 7, and 5. And that's the big thing that gets them. No bad dreams. Pestilence. No fear. They pray for a safe day. They pray for a good day. If something big's coming tomorrow, Lord, touch us as we go swimming. Great. (laughs) But I want my kids to know what green pastures are. There's something amazing that happens to sheep. Typically... When a sheep hasn't spent much time uh, around the shepherd and maybe they get a little full of, of their wool, they'll get matted down. And, and sometimes, typically, when you see a, 
uh, a sheep that's got a real big uh, coat, you'll see a lot of ticks inside of it when you go to shave it and different things like that. A gross scene, but so uh, imperative because they just keep growing hair. Amen. I'm thankful the Lord allows me as a man to cut my hair and everything else because sheep will just keep growing hair and it, it will weigh them down and it's, it's quite the scene. And so what happens is, um, or when they get pregnant, the same thing happens. They'll go out to a certain spot when they do find ways to, to be comfortable. And, and sometimes maybe that's the problem. They get just a little too comfortable and sheep will do what, what they do to lay down and they'll feel free of all these things. But they never get back up. And so the shepherd will have to make sure his, his flock is, is taken care of. This is why a lot of times, uh, it's, you know, we, we love our under-shepherd, amen? We love when he's in our lives. We, we call him to the hospital or we call another pastor to the hospital to, to pray with us because we want to feel like we're a part. And, and the shepherd's coming to check on us or where have you been for a week or two? And, and you get that phone call trying to make sure, are you okay? Is there anything we can do? Priests aren't allowed to wear one fiber when they walk into the holy place. Just one particular fiber. They, they wear linen ephods and all sorts of stuff like that, but they are not allowed to have a single stitch of wool. Because wool, in the Bible, represents flesh. And so what happens to a sheep when it goes out and it's spent too much time growing its flesh it will go and it will find the deep crevices and it will begin to lay down. So this is what happens when you don't understand, well, why are they only checking on me now? Because I missed? The shepherd has to go out and find who's cast. Let me tell you that, because that's what sheeps are. When they find themselves in the crevices, they'll get laid down. They're full of hair. They're full of wool. They're full of all this stuff. And they'll begin to roll on their side. And, and once sheep get their feet out from under them, they become cast. That's why we sing scriptures, cast down but not destroyed. To be cast as a sheep means in a, the inability to stand back up. If they're left like this for a couple hours, they will begin to grow so much gas inside of them, it will blow them up. They're dead. They're gone. And, and, and so a shepherd, when, when somebody, this is, can you just go with me for a minute? Let's make the correlation. When we get full of our flesh sometimes, we haven't prayed, we're living in drought, we haven't seen the shepherd. We haven't found our way back to an altar. We haven't talked to God, and all of a sudden our hair is just growing like nothing else. The wool is thick. The shepherd has to go out, and you know what they have to do? I heard where a shepherd, he said, I would stand that sheep up, and he goes, and I begin to just talk so calmly to it, but you have to stand there. This is what takes up time as a pastor or as, as even God as a leader. It's not that you don't want to spend the time, but it would be so easy if I just stopped being cast. And they have to stand there, begin to rub the legs of the sheep, trying to push blood back down to them. And the sheep will begin to try to take a walk for a little bit and then fall back over. And the shepherd will stand them back up and rub the legs again, just standing there, holding them, trying their best to get a sheep to, to just move to get their legs back under them. This is why they put them in the middle, because they're nervous. As a church, we have to be aware. As people, we have to be aware. Somebody might seem like, man, you've been gone for months. I don't get it. How in the world do you, do you live like that? And we become so judgmental so quick, but the truth is they're just full of wool. They need to get back to the shepherd, and the shepherd just needs to give them a good grooming. 
They need to feel that love. And, and, and sheep get so nervous to be clippered and everything come off, but it removes the ticks. It removes the layers, the matting, the inability to walk. And, and so finally, when they're free of the flesh, then you'll see sheep that can lie down and get up without being cast. So that's who God has called us to be. The Bible says, He restoreth my soul, which is what I'm talking about there. He restoreth it, and He leads me in the path of righteousness for His namesake. That restoring and that leading all takes place when we spend our time with Him. Sheep are very funny. Shepherds are so good with their sheep. If, if they're full-time shepherds, especially in the Middle East and different areas like that, they'll, they'll, they'll set out their land in zones. And they'll, they'll lead a sheep, and they say that a sheep can only graze an area, a whole flock, for about a week. And a lot of times, after that week, they have to go to the next area and let the land heal. If they don't, if they get caught in this little vicious circle where there's no new life, there's no new anointing or no new bread or no, no new grass or anything to eat, if there's no new pastures because they've rechecked themselves and, and moved where God is moving, and, and if we don't stay up with Him, if they don't do that, they're going to end up living in disease. So when I read Psalms 23, it's different now. He restoreth my soul. He's cleaned me up. He's, he's taken the time to make sure I can stand again. And then when I begin to stand again, he'll take me to the next pasture. Well, there's, there's problems in this pasture. There's, there's cougars. There's all these sorts of things. Okay, you're right. Everything's trying to kill me and eat me. It's amazing. When I look at the animal kingdom, it's like the one thing that predators do to prey is once they kill them, they take and eat their liver. I don't know. Study it. You'll have a message. And so when shepherds find their flock and they'll find them where cougars have come and eaten them, and all the sheep know what's happened, and, and they begin to freak out, it's only when the shepherd steps on the scene that the fear finally leaves again. And they will find ways to have a calmness even in the midst of of the storm. When we read, I think it's verse uh, uh, 5, it says, I'll prepare us a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Tables in the Middle East are plateaus of the finest grass. Because that's what we forget as well, that life is full of seasons. And we think it's just going to be the same grass and then the next field and the next field. But no, he'll take us to the mountaintops. He'll take us through the valleys, and he'll take us all through this world and, and wind us all around. If you read it in Psalms again, it shows you everywhere he goes. It, it says he starts out, the Lord's my shepherd, I won't, I won't want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. Then he begins to lead me in paths of righteousness. And he'll take me beside those still waters, and it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Shepherds have a rod and a staff. Usually the rod they've made by hand. They've, I mean, they are cool. They'll make them to where they've got carvings in them, and they're going to fit their hand just right if they have to wet it down to get the wood just perfect. But they know their rod. In fact, if you go to the state fair or one of our fairs coming to you this week, God bless, all right, free commercial, and you go and see the sheep, they will take a rod. Because you can truly make your wool look just dynamite. Hello? Sometimes we make our little flesh look just so good. I'm saved. I know I'm saved. And we'll find ourselves looking, man, I've got the suit. I'm primmed and proper. I've got an attitude that stinks. But you can't tell because my wool is fluffed out. So shepherds or the judges will take their rod and they'll walk up to the sheep and they'll begin to run that rod around the sheep. 
They'll run up underneath because they can tell with the rod what you can't see with the eye. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Sheep are comforted by staffs and by rods. Staffs are used to grab the lambs out of the flocks to make them feel nurtured and to save them from trampling and everything else. And so they'll scoop down with their staff and they'll grab them or they'll gently guide them. If you want a sheep to go a certain direction, they'll push on one side. But, but the rod's a little different because the rod is that one thing that keeps you protected. It's not just meant to just check and see how you're doing, but the rod is like a javelin that they can throw at cougars or, or, or wolves or whatever the case might be that might come on the property. In fact, the prey is so smart, they know when the shepherd's around, they won't even be seen. Because I rod and I staff, they comfort me. Don't ever get tired of the correction and protection of God. And it comes from a shepherd. That's tough. I, don't, I, I didn't preach this to get on to people. I just want us to be aware when he has to drop that hammer. When he has to get the rod out a little bit and say, okay, we're going to shape our sheep and make sure we got them all. We're going to count you. We're going to push you a little bit. We're going to make go do what you were asked to do. Do your ministry. We're not going to do that. That's pushing people away. We're going to draw them closer. Why don't you all come and worship? Why don't you all come to the front? Let's pray together before we start service. You'll see this staff just guiding us, and we're just so ticked at that staff. Then the rod comes out because the preaching seems a little hard, and you're like, what is, but they comfort me. Unless I'm a ticked off sheep and I go run off and I end up with a bunch of wolves. And the flesh begins to take over and life takes over and I don't find myself resting in him anymore. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness. The problem with sheep is typically we don't see what's up ahead. You realize when sheep are led through mountains, it's only the shepherd that knows where the good water is. Sheep will stop at every, every little pond that has been trudged in the ground by the previous flock that has had all sorts of fecal matter and everything else, and they'll think that's the good stuff. But he's taking you to those still waters where the glaciers have melted or the, the mountaintops have begun to melt and the waterfall comes down. There's the still waters where there's peace and calm and perfect drinking, but here we are begging to drink the pond and the puddle. God will lead the shepherd we just don't want to follow every time he's like we're going to fast how many of you will pray with me we'll raise our hands and then we're not there all right quit and how many of you will fast with me and how many of you will find your you know find a place to pray and how many of you will do this and we're we're saying oh yeah we're with you pastor and then we'll stop and say well this is a good enough prayer right here and we end up drinking just Enough to get us by, but we're, we don't even realize what we're consuming. The pestilence. It's not that it's sin, but it's an attitude that might jump on us. Because, well, I moved two rows. What more do you want from me? I don't know what makes us ask for people to raise hands. Other than we just want to be a flock together. And I don't know any other way than to say hallelujah or to raise my hands and to give the real big time shepherd the amount of praise he deserves. And so when we're lost in this atmosphere of worship and praise, it's in those moments where I finally get to where I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And, and you'll see where we're getting pulled and we're getting pushed and we don't like it. But if you'll just keep your head up enough, you don't have to stop at the filth that was left by the last flock. Well, other churches don't do it. You're right. 
well, they just only, they, they do this thing that's fun, and they do that that's fun, and there's no prayer meeting. Why in the world do we have to? Because other, other flocks, they can do whatever they want to do, but ours is trying to lead us to still waters. He says, I'll prepare us a table in the presence of mine enemies. He anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over, as the music would like to make its way up here. It's imperative us as sheep that we find ourselves anointed by God. Time and time again, if not daily. I'm not trying to tell you you've got to do everything every day. You don't fast every day, right? That's called starvation. There's seasons for it. You hopefully pray every day. If you don't, you might want to go and try to feast with God. The Bible says it happened in the cool of the morning that Adam and Eve went and met with the Lord. When's the last time you looked on your phone and saw when the cool of the morning was? It's right before the sun hit and dries up all the rain. Because he's trying to get you to a place where you can make it from still waters to still waters. Sheep can make it months if they'll go and eat of the dew. But they can't make it without water otherwise. You stand with me. The last scripture says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's an order to life that doesn't have to feel so hard. Yes, there's still a valley of the shadow of death. There's still still waters too. There's still green pasture. There's still all these seasons and, and ebbs and flows in life. But if I could, with nothing else, if I could just find a way to stay with the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And while I'm watching him and when I feel like, Lord, where are you at? I can't see you. I, can, I can't hear you right now. Then I just have to look to the under shepherd. What's he say? That's what David used to be. Just an under-shepherd, yet he was anointed and he went back out in the fields to continue shepherding. It's amazing to look at what shepherds have to do. He's, he's getting anointed and then he just goes right back to leading. He feels that moment of peace, of rest, and thank God my pastor can feel rejuvenated. Our head, our head sheep can get that refilling and then he has to go right back to making sure he's an under-shepherd. Grabbing the rod, grab the staff. Okay, I've got to make sure we're free from fear. We're going to preach on miracles. I got to make sure that we're not against each other. We're going to preach on unity. I got to make sure that we're, we're free from pestilence. I'm going to preach against every high thing and, and, and preach against tearing down every stronghold. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. And, and then when, when, when I get to that point and I can say, okay, but I'm, I'm hungry, well, then eat the book and, and live on the word. And I find myself where I can finally have peace. But the whole time we're, we just get angry. Not all of us. Not even most of us. But there's times where my little wool grows a little bit too big. And I get upset with thinking, I'm fine just to lie down right here and don't realize I can't make it up unless the shepherd comes and just helps me get back up. So tonight I question you, 
maybe you feel like, and, and, and I didn't mean to speak over anyone's head, if maybe you're new to this or maybe you're not experienced in, in the, the, the metaphors and all that sort of thing, I, I, I'm trying to just tell you that in your life, if you'll just give it all to Him, what that sounds like is when I can get lost in prayer and, and say, God, please forgive me. Forgive me, Lord, for, for the, the pride that's in my life. Take that flesh off me. Lord, if there's lust of the eye or lust of the flesh, Lord, I pray that you would just get me to where I'm not fighting with my brother or my own, my own flock, Lord. Get me to where I'm behind what the pastor says. Lord, I pray that you would take my neighbors and help me to see that, that they're hurting too and I'm supposed to be a light to them. That's what our lives need to be is just an absolute feeding and feasting with God so he can take us everywhere he's trying to take you. Miracles happened all along the way when you were lying down in still waters or leading by, by still. Those are all miracles because he put provision all over the place, but we're just trying to grow flesh sometimes and we think, well, I can do it better. I don't know about you, but I still need to go back to the master and say, shave me one more time. Take off that coat one more time. Just like the priest, Lord, take off every bit of my mind that says I'm full of flesh, I'm full of lies or deceit or anger or bitterness or strife or envy. Lord, take those things and give me your fruit. I wonder if you would just close your eyes, if you feel comfortable to raise your hands. I wonder what it would be if this flock, just for a moment, looked to the great shepherd and say, Lord, you are my shepherd. I shall not want Taketh me to lie down in green pastures, Jesus, I thank you. That's it. Why don't we just cry out on a Wednesday night when it's 100 degrees and it feels like drought? Why don't we just go search after those still waters of God? Why don't we find that place where he might restore our souls? I might walk through that valley of the shadow of death, but thou art with me. Lord, your provision, Lord, your peace is with me. Your correction is with me. It comforts me. If you feel comfortable, you're welcome to walk to the altar and just cry out for a few moments. What would it be if we just spent a few moments just, just looking back to the shepherd? God, have your way. That's it. Just take just a moment and pray to him. If you don't know who he is, ask him, Lord, show me who you are. Lord, let me know that I feel you right now. Let me just feel something different. Jesus.
trust is in you, Lord. Oh, would you just thank the Lord for his word tonight? Go ahead and just thank the Lord tonight. Oh, we ought to let praise out of our heart tonight. Don't ever get it wrong. I may not always be good at what I'm doing. I'm a shepherd. He is the good shepherd. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm human. I'm frail. But he's the good shepherd. He always gets it right. Wow. Whatever you deal with in life, trust him. He's going to get it right. He's going to get it right. Would you thank Brother Brandon for preaching to us tonight? That was a powerful word tonight. Rich, rich teaching. As he was teaching tonight, and I I was just wowed by there were so many nuggets in what he was teaching tonight. As I was sitting there on the front, I couldn't help but just stop for a moment and thank God for the fivefold ministry that He has placed in this church. I thank God. I, I, I thank God every time we bring an evangelist in, and they do a great job. Wonderful, wonderful. The fivefold ministry being unfolded in a church is powerful. Many churches are not blessed like we are blessed. The ministry of teaching tonight was so incredibly powerful and rich. That's the fivefold ministry is God's gift to the church. We received a gift tonight. Oh, thank the Lord for it. Thank the Lord for it. As I was listening tonight, and I was just thinking, Sunday, we heard such a prophetic word, such a powerful word. The coming of the Lord is near. And it rung a certain sound to us. I thank God. I thank God for what he's doing. Great word, Brother Brandon. Thank you for letting the Lord use you tonight. Amen. I thank the Lord for the church, for his people. God bless you tonight. Find a few people to greet in the name of the Lord. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday morning right here.